This morning we are in our last study on uh, what we've titled or- Origins uh, in Scripture. And we've been looking at uh, many, several different places of uh, uh, in Israel and uh, what happened in those places and the people that God used. Uh, this morning we don't have one particular place, but we're going to be talking about the high place. And if you were to go to Israel today, uh, tour guides would be able to point out to you uh, where high places used to exist or still do at, at some, at, you know, they haven't been torn down completely and you know that that was a place where uh, people offered sacrifices uh, to God, to a God, to idol gods. Now, that wasn't always the case uh, before the temple. When the children of Israel uh, went into the promised land, uh, initially the temple hadn't been built. And so people of God were uh, going to high places to worship, to make sacrifice to the one true living God. But after the temple was built, then those high places went away, and yet people who worshipped other gods continued to uh, um, worship at those high places. You know, worship is incredibly important to every person on planet Earth. God has created us, God has wired us to worship Him. We have a need, um, an absolute need for God. And if you will go all over parts of the world, you will find people worshiping something. But in the beginning, when God created man, Ecclesiastes chapter 3 says that uh, God has created us with eternity in our hearts. We know that in the heart of every man that there is something bigger than ourselves. And there's a need to worship God. John chapter 15, verse 5 says, Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. We can do nothing without God. Romans chapter 1 talks about the fact that we can look at creation around us and know that there is a creator behind it. That every person who walks on planet earth, we are without excuse. We can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God exists and we are to worship him. But people have forsaken, they have rejected the one true living God and they have subjected themselves or they've submitted themselves to man-made gods. 
And you go all around the world and you'll find all kinds of idols that people have erected because they have a need to worship something bigger than themselves. And very few are on the road to the one and true living God. But those who don't know God are forced to replace him. If you reject the one and only God, living God, you are going to be forced to worship something. Look at Psalm 115. I want to read Psalm 115, verses 1 through 13 this morning. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory. For the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness, why should the nation say, where is their God? Our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. Our God is alive and well. Our God happens to be invisible. The Bible says that he is spirit. But people who aren't on that road to worshiping the one and only God, they question that. They can't believe that because they need to worship something that they can see, something tangible. And so what happens? Their idols, verse 4, are silver and gold, the work of human hands. They have mouths, but they do not speak. Eyes, but they don't see. They have ears, but do not hear. Noses, but they don't smell. They have hands, but do not feel. Feet, but do not walk. And they do not make a sound in their throat. Those who make them become like them. So do all who trust in them. O Israel, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. You who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. The Lord has remembered us. He will bless us. He will bless the, bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless those who fear the Lord, both the small and the great. Our God is invisible, church. And the word of God says that we must trust this invisible God. But most people want a a God that they can see, that they can touch, that they can feel, thinking that's the answer to their life. And the word says it's meaningless. They can't do anything for you. Trust the invisible God. But for so many people, they don't believe that. But they must, they are forced to worship something. We know, well, the older folks in this church know uh, the song that Bob Dylan wrote. Uh, you got to serve somebody. That is a very true song. We are going to worship something. We are all worshipers because God has created this need in our heart. And it's meant to be filled with Him, but unfortunately... We choose other things, and when people choose other things, it ends up very poorly. 
God wants us, the next point on your outline is, God wants us, his people, to worship him exclusively. And he laid out this command in Exodus chapter 20. We're familiar with Exodus 20, verses 3 through 5. He says, You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship him. Why can't we have other little gods? God says, I alone am God. There is no other God besides me. I am the creator of the heavens and the earth. God revealed this, God, God made this command to the children of Israel after he had done something very significant for the nation. He led them out of captivity. They had been in bondage in Egypt. God did all these, uh, supernatural miracles. And, uh, and after these ten miracles, Pharaoh, uh, relented. And the children of Israel were set free. God delivered them. God saved them. And so God here in this passage, because I have done this for you. You are my chosen people. I have chosen you. I'm laying out this command. You are to have no other gods before me. Because if you do, if you worship and follow other gods, it's it's not going to end well. It never ends well. It ends in destruction. And God was very emphatic as he was preparing Israel to go into the promised land. You know, Israel didn't get it immediately after they were delivered from Egypt. No, they wandered the desert for 40 years. And finally, God had a group of people who were willing to trust him. They 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 were ready to conquer the mountain. And... And God uh, made this stipulation as they were about to enter uh, the promised land. Look at verse 2. He said, destroy completely all the places on the high mountains and on the hills and under every spreading tree where the nations you are dispossessing worship their gods. God says, I want to, I want you to displace them all. I, w- I want you to destroy them. I don't want there to be anything left. I want to create a land that is wholly separate and unto me. And you must drive out all other people groups. You know, for a lot of people in the world today, that's a hard pill to swallow. Is, and they ask the question, or they, they believe, you know, God is commanding genocide. 
is God commanding genocide in this passage of Scripture? I mean, it's not just not here in Deuteronomy 12. There are some other troubling passages of Scripture where God says, wipe them off the face of the planet. God isn't against, and the, the, the short answer to that is no, okay? But it would be a great conversation question in, uh, in life groups. You know, we're going to sermon-based life groups in January. Man, that would be a great question in your life group. But a little longer answer is this, that God isn't against people groups, He loves Gentiles. In fact, there's some stories that where God spared, God rescued Gentiles. We know the the story of Rahab um, at Jericho. And Rahab protected the, the spies who had gone in before the walls of Jericho came down. And God spared Rahab and her her family. Why? Because she chose to bless the children of Abraham. Folks, when it comes down to it, we're Gentiles too. And God has shown His grace and mercy to us. And when we look at Deuteronomy chapter 12, we, you know, from a godless, worldly uh, perspective, We want to think that God commanded genocide. But we don't know the bigger picture. God is establishing a people unto himself, a land that is undefiled, that is holy and set apart unto him. And God has been very patient with those who had lived in the land of Canaan. And those people had the ability to know the one true living God. But they chose to reject Him and worship their own gods. And as a result, there was all kind of perversion in the land. Look at uh, the end of chapter 12 of Deuteronomy. This is what was happening. Let's start with verse 29. When the Lord your God cuts off before you the nations whom you go in to dispossess, and you dispossess them and dwell in their land, take care that you be not ensnared to follow them after they have been destroyed before you. And that you do not inquire about their God, saying, How did these nations serve their gods? That I also may do the same to you that you will have done to them. You shall not worship the Lord your God in that way. For every abominable thing that the Lord hates, they have done. For their gods. For they even burn their sons and their daughters in the fire to their gods. 
Folks, when we put something in place of the one and only living God, it's amazing what people are willing to sacrifice for their God. These people were sacrificing their own children to appease the heart of their man-made idol. There was all kinds of sexual perversion taking place in the name of their God. And God had to get rid of that so that he could establish a people who were holy and set apart unto him. Why does he want us to worship him alone? Two reasons. Number one, he wants to protect us. He wants to, he wanted to protect them. Look at Psalm 115.8. We've already read it, but those who make them will be like them, and so will all who trust in them. You know, people who don't know God, they don't want to give up those idols. I mean, that's their fun. That's their identity. And when you hear that, you know, God wants you to give something up, you know, God doesn't want me to have any fun. No. He's trying to protect you. Things go far better when God has, is, is the priority of your life. So one is for protection and the other is to bless. God wants to bless his people. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the seat in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. But as we read the Bible, as we read through first and second Kings and first and second Chronicles, as as uh, they had witnessed God do all these supernatural things, and the people were initially, for the most part, driven out and the high places removed, it didn't always stay that way. As you read through Kings and Chronicles, you'll continue to see high places still there. Why were the high places still in in existence in this ancient land? And the reason is this, because many of God's people didn't didn't genuinely believe in Him. They didn't genuinely believe. They didn't take God at His word. They didn't take Him seriously. Look at Jeremiah chapter 7. For the sons of Judah have done evil in my sight, declares the Lord. They have set their detestable things in the house that is called by my name to defile it. They even took their idols into the temple to worship their little gods. And they built the high places of Topheth, which is in the valley of the son of Hinnom, to burn their sons and their daughters in the fire, which I did not command, nor did it come into my mind." They are doing the very, the people of God are doing the very same things that 
that they had driven out as they had come into the promised land. Therefore, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when it will no more be called Topheth of the valley of the son of Hinnom, but the valley of slaughter. For they will bury in Topheth because there is no room elsewhere. This is why the people of Judah were carried off to captivity. The temple was destroyed because they chose their man-made gods. And they were experiencing the curse of the covenant in Deuteronomy chapter 28. Folks, the same thing can happen today. Just because you call yourself a follower of God, that doesn't mean that you worship Him and Him alone. These people would say that they know God, that they worship the one one true God, and yet there was syncretism taking place. They were uh, mixing that with other gods as well. All because they didn't believe or fully trust what God said. Look at Second uh, Kings chapter 12, verses 2 and 3. Joash, who was a king of Judah, did what was right in the eyes of the Lord all the years Jehoiada, Je- Jehoiada the priest, instructed him. The high places, however, were not removed. The people continued to offer sacrifices and burn incense there. The southern kingdom lasted a little bit longer than the northern kingdom. The northern kingdom had nothing but wicked kings. And they they were carried off uh, by the Assyrians. Judah lasted a little longer. And the reason was they had some good kings. There were were some kings that uh, took down all the high places. But after that king passed away, uh, another king would come along and uh, he would allow some of those high places to coexist with the worship of God. And then there were some other kings that uh, not only would he just allow them to exist, but he totally worshipped the gods of Baal. And after a while, um, God carried them off into captivity. But uh, for Joash, he didn't fully trust God. He kind of turned the cheek and allowed people to continue to walk, to worship uh, the idols. Why? Because he didn't fully trust God. He didn't want to shed blood on that hill. Yeah, he should have taken down the high places, but I guess he just didn't want to face the conflict and put up with it. God says, church, that we need to obey him. And what was true back then is true today. And there are Christians today who say they believe but they don't fully trust God. They enjoy some things about Christianity. Oh, they love the tradition. 
We call them CEO Christians. Christian, I mean, Christmas and Easter only. That's when they'll show up. You know, and, and throughout the rest of the year, you never see them. But the reason why they're that way is because they have not fully trusted God. We want to put our trust into something that we can see that's tangible. God is spirit. God is invisible. It requires faith to trust him. We're not to erect something that we can feel and touch. No, by faith we are to trust the promises of his word. In our culture, it's not like what you might see if you were to go to Togo. Uh, when I've been to Togo, there were some areas of Togo where you would pass houses and there would be these idols out in front of the, of the house where uh, uh, that family was worshiping their man-made God. You know, and there's other parts of the world where uh, the idolatry, the idols are very obvious and they're all around. We don't have that kind of um, uh, visual here in the United States. Our gods, our idols are much more subtle, but just as real as those in other cultures that they can see. And we put our trust in them. And I want to talk about a few, but I want to start with me. You know, before I point the finger at you, I've got three fingers pointing to me. And I struggle with keeping God a priority in my life. And you know what one of my idols has been? And I, and, uh, I, I, I talked about this, uh, when we looked at David at Engedi and, um, allowing God to quench our thirst and trusting Him rather than other things. A big idol in my life has been food. It continues to be food. You know, I know I need to trust God. But there are times where, you know, there's something in that cabinet that is just going to make me feel a whole lot better for a short period of time. And I get keep going back to the cabinet and trusting what I can see, what I can touch, what I can taste. But after a while, it doesn't end up good. And you all know it. And you all see it. And as I trust that God, you know what? I find myself not fitting into clothes that I used to fit into. Not having as much energy 
to go about the things that I need to do that day and just feeling rather miserable. Why? Because I've chosen to put my trust in something else. You know, it's just not food. It could be my kids. You know, I'm proud of what God's doing in my kids' lives, and sometimes that can become an idol. I remember uh, Trevor when he was playing at ICS and being involved in sports, and he was pretty good at it. And uh, we longed for the weekends to watch him play. And uh, and that had become our life. And we, we liked the conversation that came our way about how well Trevor was doing. And, and that became a God. At least for me. I'm not sure for my wife. I'm not speaking for her. I'm speaking for me. But you know, when he graduated, and when he went off to school, man, we were... We were kind of in, uh, we were kind of in a funk. You know, we didn't know, we didn't know what to do with our weekends and we were kind of depressed because our God wasn't there anymore. Sports. Sports can be my God. Now I want you to know I'm doing really good this football season because the San Francisco 49ers are really bad. (laughs) And if they're having a good year, you can bet that I'm reading the sports page, you know, I'm looking at the, the schedule, who's next, and uh, anticipating that game. And if they lose, oh man, I have a bad week. San Francisco Giants are that for me too. And you know what? They were good all season. They were only a couple of games behind the Dodgers for most of the season. And I sacrificed... A lot of time watching every game on TV. Another idol is my phone. I can spend a lot of time on this phone checking my emails, looking at Facebook, Twitter, Making posts on Twi- on on Facebook and seeing how many people are going to like my my status update. Your opinion of me as your pastor is an idol. It's very important to me what you think of me. And that's wrong. I'm not here to please you. I'm here to please God. But these are some idols that I struggle with in my life. And you're probably thinking, Pastor, you come with a lot of baggage, don't you? (laughs) Yes, I do. And so do you. Praise God. We serve a God who loves us and nothing can separate us from him. And it's he and he alone that saves. It's where we find our peace, our fulfillment. 
And we need to remind ourselves of these things so that we will follow him. He doesn't want us to make our lives miserable. He wants to make our lives better. What's your God? What's your idol? For some of you, your idol is money. Idol isn't necessarily my, my, money isn't necessarily my idol because I don't have any. But some of you do. And you've accumulated a, a rather impressive nest egg. And you haven't given to the Lord's work because you've been focusing on retirement. And you continue to focus on retirement and the nest egg you have is not big enough and so you gotta build bigger barns because this is your idol. This is who you trust. This is going to be your future security. And you're looking at the stock market. You're consumed by your investments. God wants you to be generous in the Lord's work, in His kingdom work. And you haven't, you've given barely a dime to that because it's all about your retirement. My question is, how much is enough? Whatever we worship, we end up becoming like. There's teenagers in our service this morning. For some of you, what your peers think about you is really important. And so you'll compromise convictions so that you will be accepted by your peers. And that's your idol. Some, some of you might be in a relationship with somebody else and and you really want to, you love this person and you want to keep this person and you're willing to do whatever it takes to keep them. It's an idol. And God says, it's not going to go well for you. Did you know, teens, that a person falls in love with somebody else what the average is, seven different times. And we're talking, we're not just talking about uh, people you know and you like or something. No, people that you really love and you think really love you. The average is seven different times. And if that's your conviction in every one of these relationships of what do I need to do to keep them? You will have given yourself away to seven different people on the average. God says, don't go there. We gotta serve somebody. God made us that way. And He wants us to serve Him. Because if we don't, we will become like the God that we pursue. 
Matthew 6.24 says, No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Maybe you're here this morning and you're thinking, well, Pastor, I'm not sure what my idol is. Well, whatever we worship, we will sacrifice to. And if you're not sacrificing, think about your time for a minute, okay? How much time did you sacrifice to God this week? How much time did you spend with Him, thinking about Him, serving Him? And if it wasn't God, well, guess what? You're well on the road to knowing what your idol is. Because you're going to sacrifice to that which you worship. I did a service yesterday. And there were a lot of lost people in this service. As I was communicating with, I'm going to put my glasses up, up back on. As I was talking to them, it was as if they were looking right through me. I was talking, I wanted to address the issue of their heart. I was talking about worship too, that God has created us so that we would pursue Him, worship Him. But there were people there who have worshipped a whole lot of other things that they can touch and see and make them feel better. And you know what the sad, sad part is? They've become like their God. And their God has destroyed their life. People that have, have been in and out of prison that were here yesterday. People who have been on drugs, continue to be on drugs. And they are in bondage. Whatever God you worship, other than the one and living and true God, is going to enslave your life. It's not going to set you free. It will enslave you. And God wants to protect you from that. The truth is, God asks us to remove all other high places because He wants something for us, not from us. John 10.10 says, The thief, thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Ruthie Fowler, um, following my message yesterday, gave up and sang a beautiful song from her heart about... Um, how gloriously wonderful God is. And I came up behind her and I said, you know why Ruthie can sing that song and mean it? And you see the joy of the Lord on her countenance? It's because long ago she chose to follow 
the real and living and true God. God has blessed her life. And God, that, that is the testimony of many of us here in this room and in the multi-purpose room. God wants to bless your life. But for him to bless, he must be the priority. Mark 8.36 says, What good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul. What do you need to do this morning? What high place do you need to tear down? For some, you might need to turn to him for salvation first. Don't think that you can go out and do this in your flesh. You can't. We must trust the God who made us. We must trust in His Son who came and lived the life that none of you or I could live. Jesus paid the price for our sin. Was crucified. The wrath of God was piled up on Him. He took what we deserved. But then three days later, conquered sin and death by coming from the grave. And Jesus is alive. And when we confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord. And believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. And he will give you the grace and the power to change your life. But it first begins with salvation and believing what Jesus has already done for you. Maybe that's the decision you need to make this morning. And for others, maybe you need to fully trust what God has said and turn to Him and surrender your life. Destroy the idols. Make God the priority of your life. And whatever that means in being obedient to Him, do it. Because as you you continue to pursue other things, it's a thief. It's only going to destroy and kill your life. God wants to set you free. Let's pray. The hour's late. So we're not going to have an invitation this morning. We're not going to sing this last song before the offering. But I do want to give you an opportunity to do business with God. Do you need to trust Him with your life this morning? Cry out and say, God, save me. Oh, He wants to. He will. He wants to give you Himself. Not make your life miserable, but to set you free. 
You've got to take Him at His word. If that's the decision of your heart this morning, cross that line of faith and say, God, I surrender. I want to be the mom, the dad, the husband, the wife. That my spouse needs, that my kids need. The legacy that I want to leave to the generation behind me. God will do it. And Christian, if you haven't fully surrendered, stop trusting man-made things. It will not last. You can't take it with you. God wants you to use His resources that He's entrusted to you for His glory, not your own benefit. God, you know each heart. God, help us to remove the high places. Your grace can help us because we can't do it on our own. God, we want to, we don't want to become like the gods that we serve and worship. Set us free. Thank you for hearing that prayer. In Jesus' name. Amen.